everybody, and welcome back to From the Press Box, the Sentinel Sports Staff's podcast, where we talk anything and everything sports. We've been on a bit of a hiatus with COVID and uh, also uh, minimal staffing uh, issues as far as uh, only having me talk. I figured you guys didn't want to hear me just babble on about everything. Um, so, But we now have a new assistant sports editor, Will Kennedy, and we will uh, meet him in a second. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit with Will about um, his journey to Holland and also recap a little bit of, you know, what we saw in the winter and what COVID is doing now as far as local sports and what to look for in the spring. So uh, we'll start with Will Kennedy, uh, our new assistant sports editor. He's been on the job uh, a matter of months, weeks. Yeah, about four months. Uh, so, um, Will, uh, take it away. Just let's start by telling us a little bit uh, about yourself so, you know, everybody can know the man behind the byline. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Will Kennedy is, is my name. I'm sure you've all read that many, many times by now. Um, but, yeah, I was born and raised in sunny, sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Broward County. Uh, love it till till I die. And people think I'm insane for moving up here in December. Um, but, yeah, born and raised in Broward County. Uh uh, went to a university of South Florida for college, played baseball a little bit in college, um, at a D three school, then transferred down to the university of South Florida. Um, then worked at the Tampa Bay times as a breaking news reporter, then popped up to Northwestern in Chicago to do a master's degree in sports media. Um, and then from there went back down to Miami, worked for the Marlins for a year as a, as a kind of a radio slash communications intern. And then, Moved up to New York for a little bit for some family stuff and then got the job out here in, uh, in December and uh, excited to be back uh, working in sports again, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it already. All right. And what I mean, I know you moved in December, so it yeah. changes a little bit, but, um, you know, you've, you've been around town a little bit now and covered some things. Just what are you, what are your impressions about um, about the Holland area? Yeah. So I hear everybody who I meet and even mention on the street to you that I just moved here. Everyone's like, Oh, I can't wait for the summer. Michigan's beautiful in the summer. And that's what I keep hearing. But until about a week ago, I was convinced it was never going to get above 60 degrees. <laughs> um, and to, to a native Floridian 60 degrees is a winter coat weather. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's Holland seems like a really cute town. I'm, I'm a big city guy. If you couldn't tell by all the cities I named, I lived in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Chicago. Um, so this is by far the smallest place I've ever lived. So it's a bit of a culture shock, but, but you can definitely get like, it has, it has a lot of big city things, you know, GR is right here, Grand Rapids. And, and then it's, it's got like that acute little main street. That's very much like small towny, and, and the Tulip festival is going to be amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. That's like world famous. My mom's from Detroit and she talked about the Tulip festival when I was growing up. So when I got this job, I was like, yo, it's, it's, it's the Tulip place. Mom, I'm, I'm moving to the Tulip place. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. But I, I mean, it's, that's a pretty good, good, um, you know, first impression of Holland is that it's, uh, it's a small town or a midsize, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. you know, it's dink, dinky or anything, but, but also just with what's going on, especially with what's happening in sports, it has a big city sports feel almost. Um, but, but with the small town vibe, uh, which yeah. is, makes it pretty unique. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, growing up in South Florida, obviously people really care about high school football, really care about high school football a lot. Right. Um, but they also, you know, care about the dolphins, the, the hurricanes, the heat, the Marlins, um, and if it's not high school football, high school sports kind of take a back seat. Um, but here it's like, obviously you got the, the white caps and the Griffins and, and obviously the tigers on the other side of state and people still love those teams, but 
but especially in the communities like Sagatuck and Fenville, where, where it's just like only the high school. Like when I remember driving into the first Fenville game I covered and it's a, or, or Sagatuck game I covered, it was like home of the whatever year state champions. I'm like, oh, wow, people actually, that's like not just a cliche thing for movies. Like that's an actual thing that happens. Right. Um, so, I mean, they really care. Like even people who graduated 50 years ago, like they still care about their high school and they still care what's going on. Even if they don't have a, a child or a grandchild on this team, they still want the the Blackhawks to win or, or the, the Trailblazers now at Sagatuck to win or, or the Maroons at Holland Christian to win, even though they're not connected anymore in 50 years. Right. For sure. And then Hope College gives that an interesting perspective too. It's a college town, but it's not a huge college town. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's, it's then, got a little bit of everything. Yeah. And Hope College, I mean, that, that was the first event I covered up here at Hope College and, and those those games were a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll talk about those later on. For sure. For sure. So, um, so Will will be uh, with us for hopefully quite a while and uh, <laughs> we'll be bringing you more, um, you know, he'll be joining us on the podcast quite a bit and uh, you'll get to hear more about his, uh, his stories he's uncovering here uh, in, in Holland as we get moving here. But uh so I wanted to just look back a little bit on the winter and not, um, you know, not go into too much depth about what's happened, but just, we had a very interesting winter. Obviously it was interesting for everybody because of COVID, but we had some interesting stories come out of it. Uh, just the, the way the sports went. I mean, we had, um, you know, the fall sports kind of ended oddly. We had a couple of our best football teams ended their season because of COVID mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the winter, we actually got a full, for the most part, a full season with a little interjection of the fall girls swimming because their state, their state meet ended up in the middle of the winter. Um, but basketball for the most part, I mean, we had a couple of teams that missed here or there, or had players miss here or there because of COVID, but for the most part, it went in its entirety and, um, you know, the Zealand East boys team, uh, made it to the regional final. I uh, had a really good run and had a really great season. Uh, and as far as college goes, I mean, obviously the Hope women finished undefeated for their second consecutive year, ranked number one and undefeated, but never got a title, um, which is uh, just insane when you really think about it. I mean, you think about all the teams and all the things affected, how many teams can say it literally cost us a chance at two title yeah. <laughs> national championships. Um, there's not going to be many teams uh, like that either. So, I mean, Will, you covered uh, the Hope women's team as as a beat. I mean, take me through what your first impressions of watching them were, uh, and then just the the impact of um, you know of what they accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know during the interview process when when you were thinking about hiring me and, and everything, uh, you had mentioned Hope um, was like, yeah, this really good Division three basketball program. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, Division three sports. Like, I'm I'm sure they're good, but and you're like, yeah, they're they're really good. Like, you don't understand. I'm just like, okay, I think I think you know, I think a Division three <laughs> basketball team. Like, I I'm sure they're they're fine, and they would beat me, but I don't know how dominant they're. And then the first game, they beat uh, Concordia Chicago like ninety nine to thirty, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay, maybe. And then I was like, all right, maybe Concordia Chicago is really bad. I have a friend who works there, and she was like, yeah, you know, we're, we're struggling a little bit right now. I'm like, okay, maybe they're really bad. And then, like, the second game happened, and it was the same kind of score. The third game happened, it was the same kind of score. I was like, oh, they're absurd. Like, this isn't fair when they step on the court with another team. The only right. team that even gave them a challenge was Trine, and they beat them three times. And Trine's a, a top three team in the country. Right. So, yeah. I mean, they're uh, – 
I mean, if, if you haven't been to a Hope College game, obviously uh, we're hoping that DeVos Fieldhouse opens back up for, for fans um, next season. If you haven't been to a Hope College game, just to watch the, the program Brian Morehouse has put together there, I mean, just the kind of a, a small D3 team in the middle of West Michigan to, to make it such a powerhouse and using mainly homegrown talent as well. I mean, it's, it's extremely impressive what, what he's done there. For sure, for sure. And that's one of the interesting things about, about Hope College, but also about D3 in general is that uh, you never quite know what you're going to get with D3s uh, because some teams, uh, you, get so, you get some athletes that choose to go to the smaller school that are higher level talent, but also at different schools and different programs, you have the established. Like Hope is a good Division three program in everything. Yeah. They, are, they would be, you know, it, you know, obviously teams have their, Good years ups and, and downs. They have some down years. They have some rebuilding years and things like that. But for the most part, all of their sports are uh, well above average in yeah. D3. Yeah. Um, but you have teams like the women's basketball team or um, the volleyball team is like this too. I mean, they they won the national championship a few years ago. Uh, their rivalry with Calvin uh, is, is pretty epic. They're both ranked all the time. Uh, they're playing um, as we're recording this, they're going to play tonight. Um, and Calvin's ranked 11 and Hope is ranked 17. And that's probably the lowest ranking matchup they've had in a decade. Uh, but it's still 11 versus 17 in the country. Um, but like when Hope and I mean, Calvin's won some national championships too in volleyball. When they, when they're at, have been at those, their best, they're beating division two Grand Valley in scrimmages. They're beating Mac schools that are division one schools. Yeah. Um, that doesn't always happen in the other sports, but um there's there's certain sports where that does happen it makes things really interesting when you're covering in d3 programs is you're not really sure um you know what you're going to get and uh the hope women's team i mean maybe they wouldn't i mean they would they could beat grand valley sometimes i would guess this team probably could have had a shot at beating yeah uh grand valley uh but Especially they're always in it when they play bigger schools too because their defense is what's so great about their program um but it's it's something to watch like it makes you excited about defense. That's not always what people think about when they think about basketball, especially, I mean, like even football, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, the bears defense in 86, you know, and whatever, like, but like that doesn't really happen in basketball. You never go. I mean, like the bad boys of the Pistons had a great defense, but outside of that, no, but no team is first known for their defense that I really remember. You know, they, they might have great defense like the bulls with Michael Jordan. They, and when they had Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman was in the second group that they played great defense, but you don't think of them as a defensive team. For, you don't think of a Michael Jordan team as a defensive team first. Um, but that's what you do with the hope women. And I think that's what makes the program so great. Well, and that's the thing you kind of have to do across in D3 across the board. Cause, cause I'm not a huge basketball, like, scholar or anything but but just based on when i talked to, to brian morehouse but before the season and and even other high school basketball coaches in this area of men and women they're just saying like yeah you know at, at this level like defense is all an effort thing and and and, and if, if you get kids that can buy into your program and want to be great and want to be successful and you and, and fenville high school is another great example of this um just get uh, the, the boys team to just get people who buy into the defensive philosophy and buy in and want to win and want to be great and want to play stellar defense. Cause the offense is a lot more skill-based and a lot more, you have just natural talent and, and very specific right. things you have to put hours and hours and hours in, but defense is 99% just hustle and want to, and, and just 
want to be great at that thing. And that's just so much easier to teach when, when, when you know, it's a small school and you, you don't necessarily have the, the talent that's going to score 2000 points in a career or a thousand points in a career. Like defense is so critical. And I think a lot of the coaches around here have, have figured that out and, and in D3 have figured that out. And Brian Morris kind of, I don't know if he led the charge in that for D3, but I mean, he certainly is at the top of the mountain doing that now. For sure. For sure. It's really interesting. And then we have the Zealandese boys make a deep run. They uh, lost in the regional final, a game that they led most of the way. It was a tough, very tough loss, but what a spectacular season they had. I mean, they've got their starting five are all college players. Three of them are college, going to be college basketball players, one football, one baseball. And uh, that you don't get teams like that very often. And wow. the fact that they were all seniors and they all, you know, they all played together last year. And I mean, they have all played together for a long time, but they all, most of them started last year too. Well, and the craziest um, thing about that to me is that you say they're all college players, but, but they're all D one or D two players. Like they're all getting paid to play at like right. getting scholarships to play at college. Like they're not just going at some like small D three school that like, you know, you have to make the team, but that's about it. Like they're, they have been recruited. Right. They're, they're, they're all be established college players. Yeah, yeah. And they're scholarship caliber players. Yeah. That's uh yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, when you think about it and that's, um, you know, that that's what makes a team like that really special. And you can see it coming. That was the first team. And I told them this after, you know, after their run, this is the first team in a while that I saw coming because yeah. usually when you're, usually when you're covering sports as a, you know, sports reporter and you're, you're dealing with high school sports and you're dealing with a vast array of things, we cover college, high school, pro club, everything, you know, yeah. um, but you don't always see it because you're so focused on varsity stuff or whatever. Like you don't, you don't notice necessarily the varsity team. That's all sophomores. You might take note of it in your head, but that's it, you know, but like these guys that are seniors were good, really good players as sophomores, multiple, it wasn't just one kid. They all were. So you kind of saw the progression coming uh, because they were good a couple of years ago, but they obviously had their growing pains last year. They were really good. They, their run got stopped by COVID, um, but they were in the district final, but they were in the district final against like Hudsonville, who was ranked number two in the state or something like that. So even if it ended there, you didn't really show what possibly could have happened, but this year really did. Um, yeah. and, it's, and it definitely is too bad that they didn't, you know, able to continue a little further i know they wanted to but a 19 and one season man that's i mean that's uh that's an incredible season we don't have many seasons like that so um uh, I mean, just, just going to the court to, to watch them play because obviously you had seen all these guys last year and year before but but this was my first experience with any michigan high school sports i mean west michigan eastern any any team from michigan seeing them play is my first experience and just just going to a couple games at smaller schools before and, and seeing like the 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 level of competition is like okay yeah like most teams are pretty evenly matched across the board they're smaller schools they they have less people to pull from so you know it, it's it's not going to be like nba quality basketball but 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 it's it's a fun high school game to watch when, and then i went to, to zealand east for the first time and when i learned how big the school was uh i was like okay yeah like probably be around similar type competition level as, as the other games i had seen and and these guys are just like it's just so unfair to the te- some of the teams they're playing because they got seven foot, six, I think six, seven, Nate Claire about in the, in the middle, just I mean, he might be six. He might be six, nine or 10. I mean, it's, he's he might even be closer to so seven tall. feet. He looks seven feet. That's for sure. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a very tall, 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 tall man. Um, boy, I guess. Um, but yeah, he's just, 
get it down low to him and the other team, their biggest post players, maybe six one. And he just basically just like lifts his hands up, drops the ball in and be like, okay, that's two points for us. And, and then you have trip on the outside and can, you know, he can shoot, he can drive to lane really hard trips, kind of the whole catalyst of that offense. And, and when trips not working, they got other guys on the, on the team that can, can you know, do anything with the ball. Like you said, they're all college athletes. So, I mean, that right. team was extremely impressive to watch probably the most impressive boys team I saw play th- during my time here um, so far. And, and, every game it was like it was it was similar to hope watching hope women every game like the game was pretty much over by halftime at least the ones right. I it's like you right know. yeah there i mean there were a couple close ones but like the zeal east west games are close and their muskegon games are close but for the most part um yeah they really they were in control and la- see last year's team trip got hurt late in the season so he missed like the last few games and then brandon clairbout the other the other clairbout brother like was started dropping 25 a game yeah those final six games last year and he i mean he could i mean he could have done that probably again this year you know it's just uh he didn't have to you know yeah, so yeah. it's uh just an interesting dynamic for sure and then we had some other good teams too i mean the hamilton girls are have been you know great for a long time um i think that they had the coolest storyline of the whole sure season. i mean they they were going for what i think a sixth sixth straight or seventh straight uh district title but they had to have their jv team win the district semifinal to get that chance because of covid and their jv team went out and beat a varsity team and that's so cool that they were able to do that and that they had a bunch of kids that were younger sisters of the varsity kids um on the team so they were you know there's an extra little special bit there now they ended up falling in the district final but um they got the chance yeah. And that was, that's a, that's a, you don't have too many JV teams that could be a varsity team. Um, I don't even care how good or bad the varsity team is. That's still a huge difference. Um, and the fact that they did that was, was pretty cool. And I mean, they're the girls team. I mean, they, the varsity team had only lost uh, the team. They lost to in the district final was West Catholic. They lost them during the season twice as well. Um, and they only lost one other game the whole year. So like, this is a team especially with AJ Ediger, who's headed to Iowa and it's been all state the last three years. Um, you don't really know what they were capable of outside of how West Catholic did. Cause West Catholic won the district. Then they got upset and then Portland ended up winning the girls state title then, but without West Catholic there that had some height, who knows how much AJ Ediger could have dominated everybody by like, not by herself, but you know, they, they obviously go to her quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, um, I was at the um, the West Catholic uh, district t- title game, and, and yeah, it was district, right? District title? Yeah. Yeah, was, I was at the West Catholic district title game where, where their, their season ended, and, I mean, those girls, just talking to them after, and their coach, Jacqueline Schwartz, they were just so grateful that, that they were able to, you know, finish the season on their own terms, which which obviously it's it, it, it was less than ideal that they lost, but, but the two previous times they played West Catholic, they had just gotten absolutely blown out of the water. They I think they lost, like – 68 to 30 one time West Catholic is just, they have size to limit AJ's six foot plus frame. I, I'm not sure how right. tall she is, but, but six, she's three. Yeah. yeah she, I mean, she, she's for a high school um, girls basketball player. She's very tall. Um, and, and West Catholic was able to limit her and they, they just had shooters on the perimeter that could shoot. And I don't think Hamilton made a field goal the entire game that they lost. Um, they were just getting points down low. Um, which is their, their, their standard game plan. That's what they do, but, but right. I was able to limit them, but, but right. those girls after the game, they were just, um, you know, they were, they were so thankful that the JV team did what they did. And they were so excited about the future of that, that program 
because you know a lot of those right. are going to be moving up to, to the varsity next year and, and they're just um so so excited about where the program's going and, and and obviously so appreciative that they could go out and you know not have two seasons in a row ended by covid you know right last season was ended by covid when they still had a chance with a state title and then right. their whole career has ended with covid i mean a lot of those girls aren't going to play college basketball aj's fortunate to have iowa waiting for her, but you know, right. the last college basketball game ever would just be, or high school basketball game ever would just be kind of like, oh, okay, I didn't get a chance to play in it. Right, right. Yeah, it's just really interesting. And then West Catholic was the favorite to win the whole state championship. They were good. Uh, but they, they didn't because they their two best players ended up getting COVID, and then they got upset. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know if they, I shouldn't say, I don't know if they got COVID. They, they got quarantined. They got quarantined, and then uh, they got up. then the team got upset. Um, but then it's just interesting, uh, but who knows how that, that would have played out. And I still wonder what if last year, cause they were in the regional final yeah. last year and they were on a roll playing better than they had. And I watched almost all of their games last year cause they were so good. Yeah. And they, uh, in my estimation would have won the regional final game. And then they'd be in the, they would have been in the state quarterfinals for the third year in a row, which is incredible. Um, cause it's, I mean, AJ was there all three of those years, but not everybody else was. So it's a, <laughs> It's quite, and AJ was not, I mean, she's been great her entire career, but she, her sophomore year, she was not the best player on the team. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, there was that kind of turnover and development as well. Uh, then you had Saugatuck girls. They only lost three games this year. They ended up, what, 17 or 18 and three. Oh, that, um, that heartbreaking uh, game in the district, it was district semifinals they lost. That was, yeah. that was so tough. I don't remember who they even played. Um, yeah. Grand, Rapids, Grand Rapids Christian or something like that. Coming Christian, maybe or yeah. yeah, I don't remember who they played, but the team they were playing was like a four or five win team, and you know, I went into this this game thinking like, yeah, I know they'll win. I had questions in my head for for Coach Kevin Tringali, like what I'm going to ask them when when they win and when they make it to like their second district final in three years, and and I was I was ready for all that, and then they just came out totally flat and just did not hit any shots like at all. They were down by 10 late in the fourth quarter and they were, that was a team that lost two games all season and were never down by 10 at all. Even so really good teams. Like I, I think Goebbels was one of their losses and Goebbels is a good team, and right. I, but they were never down by 10 to anybody. And then here they are at, at district semifinals down by 10 points with three, four minutes left. Um, and then, you know, they, they fought hard. They battled back. They lost by two. They had a chance. They had a three in the corner to win it um, when, when, they, when the game ended. But, but shots just weren't falling for them all night. And, and the, their opponent made seven threes in the first half, which, which really doomed them. And, and nobody saw sure. that coming. Um, right. you know, I mean, they, were, they were a really solid team all year and, and bowed out far too early from, from what they were capable of. For sure. For sure. I mean, they, they lost three games. And I think that their three games, they lost by like a combined seven points. I think it was – yeah, I think it was – they lost to Goebbels by two. They lost to their – because they had a two-game losing streak in the middle of the season, didn't lose again after that, and then lost in, in the semifinals. And they only lost by two in the semifinals, and I guess their other game they lost by three. Yeah, it was two, two, and three. You know, I mean, like, that's that's crazy. Like, that's yeah. that close to a perfect season. I mean, like, that's uh, – I mean, I'm not saying they would have gone perfect all the way through the state championship, no. but they – they were that close to a regular season, perfect season. Yeah, and and uh, that's still pretty rare. It's just so impressive to do an undefeated season. That, that really shows you how impressive what Zealand East did and what, what Hope College did at the college level just shows how impressive that is. I mean, that this team, the Soviet team came so close and, and Sagatuck has some disadvantages. They're a really small school and, and, and they're, they, they have good years and they have bad years, but, but this year was one of their better years in, in, in a long time from what I've heard. And, um, you know, 
and they still had a very successful regular season, but it just shows just how difficult and how impressive it is to go undefeated, unblemished without, you know, even coming close to losing a game. For sure. For sure. We had some other good, good things happen in the winter. Zelenis Carter Hinson won the wrestling state championship. Um, both the West Ottawa boys and Holland Christian boys finished state runner-ups in, in swimming uh, as teams and had uh, individual winners. Kevin Moss uh, won the 53 style. Um, and they also set the West Ottawa set the record in the uh, state record in the sprint relay. And then Colin Kalkman from Holland Christian won uh, the hunter free and the hunter backstroke at the D3 meet. Um, just a lot of good things happening, um, you know, with, you know, given, given the opportunities, a lot of these kids that weren't sure if they're going to get to play, um, especially the swimmers, because with COVID, I mean, in the water is the safest place you can be during COVID, but on the pool deck in a tight aired building is the worst place you could be. (laughs) So it's really hard. That was, that's always something that, you know, you never knew quite if swimming was going to be treated differently than other sports or what. Um, but we made it, we made, they made it through and everybody made it through, um, you know, just, just a really, really good winter. Um, and, and it's, it's nice to see that it's, I mean, obviously we had good basketball teams. We usually have really good swim teams here. Um, but you know, it's nice to see a big, some big moments in wrestling. I mean, we had some milestone wins for some Holland high school wrestlers and, uh, you know, some Hamilton and Zealand wrestlers and just, uh, it's nice to see the growth in lots of sports, not just, you know, one or two. So, yeah, um, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned, um, Carter, um, I, for, for, for those listening who aren't super familiar with wrestling as, I mean, I wasn't super familiar with wrestling when I, when I moved here and got this job, but, but getting 100 wins in a career is an extraordinarily impressive feat for a senior wrestler. Carter Hinton got 150 plus he had 150 in the regular season and then dominated everybody. Um, and eventually set the Zealand all-time record. I think he finished his career with 164. The the Zealand record was 158. And I mean that he did that in a shortened season in the middle of a pandemic. Um, he went 25 and 0 this year. Won his first state title. He had been a state qualifier all four years, but he had finished sixth, sixth, sixth his first three years. And then this year he just got hot. And you know he told me I, I wrote a feature on him. He told me he's just you know I'm just feeling loose. I'm not worried about what anybody else is telling me. I don't feel any pressure. This is, I know this is going to be the last meet of my career, and I'm just feeling loose. And I'm ready to get after it. And then you know lo and behold, next day comes and I'm, I'm watching the bracket because it's in Kalamazoo, so I don't go. I'm watching the bracket virtually updating, and it's like oh Hinton's in the semifinals. Oh Hinton's in the finals, and then their coach Marty Landis texts me. He's like oh we got our first state champion. I was like all right, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that was that was awesome, and we haven't had. Maybe since I've been here and now I've been here, gosh, 15 or so years, we've only had two that I know of that I can remember two other wrestlers. I know Holland had one in like 2012 or 2011. Right. And then West Ottawa had one in like 2009. But I'm I'm saying I think the West Ottawa guy, Mike McClure, the heavyweight, he went undefeated. He was like 55 and 0 and won the state championship. Um, Nicholas Leal was the Holland wrestler. I can't, rem- I honestly can't remember if he went undefeated, Yeah, but he won the state championship. Yeah. So, uh, that's, I mean, we've had other wrestlers over the years too, but it's been, you know, a little bit further back, um, before my time. Um, but there's always been great wrestlers. We get all state wrestlers every year, which yeah. is, which is really, really awesome. But having a season like this, that's, that's pretty incredible. So, yeah. um, and then the swimmers too. I mean, we got some, I mean, Kevin Moss, I mean, he's going to be trying to make the uh, Olympic trials 
um, you know, for this year too. I mean, like the trials, like let's, I mean, like we, I'm not saying he's got a shot at making the Olympic team because I would say he would, even he would say, no, he doesn't, but he, <laughs> he has a shot make the trials. That's the beauty of the Olympic trials. You get like 150 kids in every event and only two people make it. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a big, it's a quite, quite a different animal of a, of an event, but um, just, we'll have a handful of swimmers from the area that have already made the trials that will make the trials, but just to have some high school kids with that chance is really, really exciting. So yeah, and um, lightning quick. I mean, yeah, his, his state title, was it 50? He won the state title. 53. And like, yeah, 20, 20 seconds, 2060, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then in, in the, in the free, um, the free relay at the end, I mean, he, he closed in like a 19 something. I mean, yeah. I mean, for a high school kid, that is insane. Yeah. And uh, that was the first swimming event you sent me to and first swimming event I covered. And I was just like, and I was just like, you know, there's a lot of like boring events throughout the day or and there's longer ones. And just kind of like, you know, look up every once in a while and, and write my story. And then it's a 53. I'm like, all right, it's a sprint. And he just blew everybody out. And I was like, Oh right. my God, this kid is insane. Right. Especially that time. I mean, like the anchor time, I mean, like that's, a, that's a time that could place at the big 10 meet he was so far behind when he started too. I don't know about so far behind, but he closed so fast. Like, especially cause it's such a short race. You don't expect him to be able to close. Like, well, especially he's going up against it in the state finals. You're going up everyone's anchor. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Ann Arbor, um, well, Ann Arbor pioneer. I mean, they, they, their swimming team was outstanding. They just whooped everybody in, in the D2 um, team competition. But I mean, he's just, Kevin Moss is quick. That's the only way I know this guy. He was, he was yeah. the fastest kid I saw all day. It's been a fun family. He's the youngest of four swimmers. The two older brothers, uh, one of them swam at Alabama. The other one swims currently at Alabama and their sister, Jenna, she swims at Oakland. So he's got three, he's got three siblings who uh, are all on D1 swimming scholarships. Um, and his mom swam. I'm pretty sure his mom swam at Michigan um it's just uh it's a very talented family um so that's uh that's definitely been very interesting to see so had some great things happen uh watched some great things uh in the in the winter we had uh grand valley state had a diver win the national championship um which was uh, she uh, she dives her club diving at mla here in holland so that was really uh exciting to see and she's got another another year at that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll go to, uh, the spring now. I mean, we got like now Will's going in blind to the spring because he has not been here for any of these events, but we kind of all are because we didn't have the spring last year because of COVID. So it's going to be really interesting to see what's going on. There's some sports that we have a little bit of a knowledge of, um, like the Zealand East track and field program, specifically the girls are going to be a state title contender. Again, they won a couple years ago, they uh, maybe three years ago, they uh, were runner up two years ago. Last year, they didn't have a last year. They were the favorite. They would have been the favorites and they didn't have a season, um, but they didn't really. There was only one senior from last year's crew. They graduated, which means they've got a dozen, at least a dozen kids that scored at the state meet as sophomores that are now back as seniors, which is incredible. <laughs> so um so they they're going to be a title contender and something to you know something great to watch. We're going to have some good track athletes all the way around. We always do. Um, we've got a lot of great soccer players, girls soccer players from the area, like uh, Sierra Scrotenborg from Hamilton and uh, Abby Wynn from uh, Zealand West, and uh, 
let's see, Alyssa Carner and uh, Cassie Gibson from West Ottawa. And then um, Zealand East has a bunch returning. They're going to have several college players returning too. So there again is a sport where you had a ton of sophomores, not only starting, but good enough that we know who they are yeah. um, and that, they, that they're going to be making some impact. But like, as far as like the baseball and softball teams, all fresh faces for the most part. I mean, you don't have that as much uh, with people who are sophomores. Um, you know, you're lucky to have, a, you know, a couple here, a couple there that, you know, we might know about. But for the most part, I mean, we have a couple tennis players too, a couple water polo players that were, you know, good as sophomores. But for the most part, it's going to be a very interesting uh, you know, learning season for everybody because no one knows where anybody was from last year because we just don't know. And the the gap from senior to sophomore or freshman to junior is so big, yeah. That for the most part, it's really hard to tell what anybody is uh, what anybody's capable of, which makes it kind of an interesting adventure. Well, and then a lot of these teams, it's uh, like you mentioned, the gap from senior to or sophomore to senior is, is big. I mean, a lot of these teams, like I was at West Ottawa Holland uh, softball game the other day. <laughs> And a lot of it is more of the gap from playing eighth grade softball to now you're starting on varsity as a sophomore, technically, because you right. Missed, that could be it too. Yeah. That, that was a, a large majority of West Ottawa's roster is kids who have never played high school softball before. And they're technically sophomores, but the last time they played competitively was eighth grade. Um, right. I think one of the be- better players on the team. I have a really good story coming out next, next week, probably about her. She's the catcher. And Spoiler she's alert. Junior. Yeah. She's only a junior. <laughs> And she's like one of the yeah. better players and one of the considered one of the older leaders of the team. And she's only played one year of high school softball. So there's going to be a lot of that this year for the younger teams. And then a lot of older teams that have, you know, experience at high school level for two years, it's probably going to be a lot of really good teams and a lot of really uh, developing teams just because there, there's going to be that gap across the board of either. Right. With Especially in the team sports players. that are not, not performance based like track. Yeah, um, yeah, especially yeah. for the the team the team goal kind of sports, which is most of the which is most of the sports. I think track and tennis you can get a it's a little bit of a different yeah. different animal. But yeah, for baseball, softball, soccer, lacrosse, um, you know that's that's where we're going to be uh, yeah, this spring and just learning. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting, and it's, it'll be good for those you know I guess technically sophomores now they're going to get kind of thrown into the fire. But, but it's also just kind of a shame because they're losing a year of development that, that they, you know, could have had when, when their senior year would be their third year playing when most, you know, most human beings would be their fourth. Um, so COVID right. kind of messes that all up for them. But and, and I'm curious to see if that's going to, you know, hamper the development of, of athletes overall in the area. Just, you know, if they don't have that extra year, are they going to really going to be able to reach their full potential? Or, or is that fourth year kind of just, you know, fine tuning things and, and getting ready to play in college or getting ready to put a bow on your career? Right. For sure. And we got a lot of kids still ending up, you know, signing scholarships or committing to schools and stuff, but that is not these kids specifically, but just, is there going to be a year where college, the college ranks in kind of all kinds of sports, especially the, maybe the smaller sports, is it going to be a tougher year for everybody just because they're going to be the whole recruit, you know, the whole year of recruits are going to have one fewer season and a lot of things, especially spring sports. Um, who knows? Or, you know, or is that it'll, it'll just kind of depend on who develops quicker and who picks up the college pace quicker. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be very interesting. That's kind of reminiscent of a story I wrote a month or two ago now. Um, we, we kind of did an in-depth dive on, on recruiting in the COVID age. And I spoke with, um, 
high school or college athletic directors, high school coaches, and, and like guys who run recruiting services. And, and I spoke with Matt Mitchell, the head football coach at GVSU. Um, and he was telling me that, you know, they're starting to offer scholarships less and less to high school kids and they're offering them to, to transfers instead um, now because the transfer portal is a thing. And he, he said, COVID, he, COVID hasn't really changed recruiting that much as a whole, but, but COVID has exasperated or, or put a bigger emphasis on the transfer portal because kids are offered a one-time transfer now. Um, right. You can only keep X amount of scholarship kids on your roster. So they're saving those kids, those scholarships for the kids who have developed more and have already played the college games. So they, get, they know they can come in and not necessarily right. right away, but more likely to contribute right away than a kid who's 18, 17 years old. So right. that's what he said that the transfer portal just made the gap wider. And I personally think the NCAA is going to have to look at that and maybe, you know, ex, uh, ex, uh, expand the scholarship count for some sports and, and we're all sports right. across the board because I think baseball gets something absurd, like 13 and a half scholarships at the D one level. I don't even know right. what the D two and, and D three is obviously zero. So I right. think the NCAA is going to have to look at that and, and, you know, extend, um, extend the scholarship count for, for various sports. Cause I, I think that's the only way we kind of get out of this and get recruiting back to a, a regular cycle. For sure. For sure. And I, and part of it is, you know, how many kids are taking the extra year yeah. that the yeah, NCAA yeah. is giving uh, to a lot of sports that either uh, were interrupted or that had a much smaller season or didn't have a postseason. Uh, so that comes into play too. So it'll just be interesting to see how this develops, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what happens this spring, like I said, uh, we'll probably be hitching our wagon to the Zealandese track team um, <laughs> just as, as one of the few things we, few commodities we know. Um, yeah. And they they obviously have a lot of, they're going to have a lot of D1 kids come out of there or D2 or wherever they want to go. And also they have a lot of athletes that are doing multiple things. I mean, they have two, two all-state athletes from last year on their, or for, I guess it was from two years ago. So two all-state sophomores two years ago were also on the regional champion girls soccer team. And they're also sprinters on the track team. They're doing two sports at once. And that's, uh, that's a, spe- that's a special kind of athlete um, and a special kind of commitment to do that. So it's going to be interesting to kind of monitor all that progression and just also see who these, who these budding unknown stars are going to be, uh, you know, in all the, in, in all the different sports, because every team is going to have somebody that just, wasn't developed as sophomores, you know, and then now they're seniors and now they're juniors and they're, it's just going to be like, Oh, where'd they come from? So yeah. that's going to be kind of exciting to see for sure too. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely going to be exciting to see, especially in, you know, like, like you said, in, uh, that, that might be even more apparent in the, in the individual sports, like track and, and tennis, because it's like, you know, I mean, maybe not their skills in the, in the, in the game developed because they haven't been able to play, but I mean, their bodies develop and they just get bigger and stronger and faster just because that's what happens when you get older. So well, exactly when you get a certain age, it's kind of goes the other direction, but right. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm getting bigger. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm definitely not getting faster. <laughs> I'm certainly getting slower and slower as time goes on. I know that for a fact. And I think my, uh, you know, my fork hand to the ravioli is getting faster. But that's about it. <laughs> I played basketball for the first time in like a year the other day. And I was like, Oh my God, what happened? It <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a different, uh, different body, different animal, different time. Yeah. <laughs> so washed um, washed. for sure. But so we look forward to, you know, bringing you more commentary on the spring sports and we'll, we'll talk about national issues too. Um, you know, obviously we had some things like uh, major league baseball, pushing the uh, all-star game out of Atlanta because of 
their state voting laws. And, uh, you know, we wrote a little bit about that, uh, but there's all kinds of things like that. And with COVID, there's going to be plenty of things to talk about um, as we, you know, jump back into doing our, this weekly podcast. So um, thanks, Will, for joining us. Will Kennedy, first time Sentinel podcaster. Uh, he's, he's got that under his belt now. So um, you guys got to know him a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to get to know him a little bit more and uh, as we move through the spring. So um, for Will, I'm Dan, and thanks for joining us on From the Press Box.